Folks, welcome back to another edition of the Let's Run.com Track Talk Podcast. What a freaking week. At the very end of last week's podcast, as a PS, we thought it was a radical prediction that all spring sports would be canceled, and within two weeks, everybody would be in a month quarantine. That looks like a total underestimation now. One week later, so much has changed. But the good news, folks, is we're all here. We're all healthy for what we know of. Jonathan Galt did get on the plane to Albuquerque. He has returned. Unfortunately, there was no NCAA championships, or maybe you could say fortunately there wasn't an NCAA championships. John, we're glad you're healthy. Hopefully you don't sue us for putting you onto the plane. Well, you guys spent almost a thousand bucks sending me out to Albuquerque for twelve hours. I pretty much the meet was canceled within ninety minutes of me landing there, and then I immediately booked a flight home that night. So I got two nice southwestern meals out of it. I didn't even go to the convention center where the meet was held. It was just one of the strangest weeks I can remember of my entire life. This week has been totally amazing. I mean, not amazing in a good way, or totally crazy. But when we recorded this podcast one week ago. The NCAA basketball tournament was still being held with fans. The NBA hadn't done anything. Now there's like people are sequestering in their houses. It's just sort of crazy. I mean, first of all, yeah, let's start big picture. I'm, I'm glad everyone's healthy. I hope all of our listeners are healthy. Everybody needs to take this stuff seriously. I mean, the guidelines are out there. If you don't know them now, I don't know what planet you've been on, but practice social distancing. Do not congregate in groups. Do limited amounts of travel. The basics. The good news is you can go running. Running by all measures in the United States, in, in Spain and elsewhere. And I'm talking to the visitors in the United States mainly because the guidelines are good and everything scientifically says you can go running. Even in, in, in San Francisco where they have a more sort of stringent shelter-in-place order. Exercise outside with proper social distancing is encouraged or, you know, it can be good for your mental health. So people get out there, you can keep running, keep doing what you love, but just do it responsibly. I would say if you're someone who has been sort of making excuses as to why you're not running, <laughs> Rojo, um, this is a perfect opportunity to get out there. You know, people, we're going to have a little bit more time on our hands, I think. Get out there and go for a run. Weather's starting to get nicer around the country. There aren't many excuses. John, I, 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 for those of you that listened to last week's podcast, I'm debating accepting a $300 bet from John that I will not run a sub three hour marathon in the next, before the end of 2021. But then, John, I re listened to the podcast. You did say it would never happen in my life. So, can I take a lifetime bet? I mean, you would have to wait till my death <laughs> to collect. <laughs> You'd have to leave it in your will. Yeah. I mean, Oh. Anyways, maybe we shouldn't be joking. Maybe I give you to the age of 50 or something. I feel like if you, you reach 50 and you haven't done it, that's not happening. I think that's fair enough, John. But hey, yeah, on Let's Run, let's talk a bit about, we'll talk about how Corona is affecting everyone's lives because I'm kind of curious in different cities, different places, how it's going. I just got back from New York City today. My wife's pregnant. She had a doctor's appointment. But before that, on Let's Run, like, yeah, we could, like the running training is still going on. People can still run. There's a lot to talk about on the site. I, I've been in sort of a depression for a couple of days. Just no running events. I, I just, I'm like, oh, I need sports. I need this stuff. And I think we all want that. But hopefully these measures get us back to that quicker than if we didn't have them. But we can talk about 
training. You know, we were talking about having fall training marathon programs anyway. We can have summer training. We can have training for high school kids whose seasons are canceled. We've been wanting to do more with injury stuff. And now, guys, we got no excuse not to do this stuff. We can do more listener calls. We can talk to legends of the sport, current stars of the sport. I mean, this is going to be the last podcast in a while without a guest. We should have had one this week, but I, I was too depressed to get one. I'm generally a very optimistic person. So... Yeah, well, I think the the silver lining in Boston here is that because of the bans on public gatherings, there were no riots when Tom Brady announced he wasn't coming back to the Patriots. But yeah, it's been a very tough week around here. We have the coronavirus, we get sports canceled, and now Brady says he's going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I mean, this is a bizarro world. John, are you okay? I was listening to Pardon My Take today, and... Weldon says he didn't realize this. We're recording this Wednesday afternoon. And he's like, wait, wait, what is this about Brady? He's going to the Buccaneers? He's not coming back to the Patriots? I'm like, Weldon, have you been living under a rock for the last 24 hours? Like, how have you not heard about this? No, no. I knew he wasn't coming to the Patriots. My wife was depressed. She couldn't believe it. I could play audio from her. I actually recorded it. She's like, why? What? Come on. This makes no sense. She's very upset about this. Well, the Patriots are gutting their team. You're looking at the people they're getting. I mean, Danny Shelton's gone. Kyle Van Noy's gone to the Dolphins. We just traded Duron Harmon to the Lions. It's it's crazy. The team is... Uh, they did bring back Devin McCourty, but now Brady's gone. I guess for Brady, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know what he thinks. I think maybe he, he wanted more than they were offering, or he just looked at their offenses and said, I'd rather throw to Chris Godwin and... Mike Evans than to a you know thirty three year old Julian Edelman and you know Mohamed Sanu Philip Dorsett those that kind of that crew. But John, you've lived in America how many years? I moved here in December two thousand one, so I've been here for over eighteen years. And when did Brady first start for the Patriots? September two thousand one. My gosh, are you okay? I mean, like this is your whole. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I. I... If anyone, if you've been paying attention to this thing, it was obvious that he could leave. Uh, you know, selling, starting with him selling his house months ago. But yeah, it's it's just it's upsetting. It's going to be very strange. You know, quarterback is a position Patriots fans never had to worry about for the last eight, well, eighteen of the last nineteen seasons, and now it's number one concern. But on, on part of my take, it's one of the most popular sports podcasts. One of the guys, Hank, is from the Boston area. His girlfriend woke him up and said, I got bad news for you. And he thought, oh, my God, like coronavirus. He's in New York. And no, Tom Brady has left the Patriots. He recovered and said, okay. Then they posed this question to him. He's, I think he's late 20s like you. And he's like, my whole life is Tom Brady in some ways. My whole sports life. I've gone through puberty with Tom Brady. I've gone to college with Tom Brady, all this other stuff. Next year, John, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers make the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, and they play the New England Patriots. In Tampa. The Super Bowl's in Tampa. Oh, wow. See, Hank didn't even know that. Who are you rooting for, John? This isn't even a question. I'm a fan of the New England Patriots. I'm not a fan of the New England Tom Brady's. Like, any Patriots fan who starts rooting for the Buccaneers this season instead of the Patriots or over the Patriots was never a true Patriots fan to begin with. You were just a Tom Brady fan. And the Patriots are going to last a lot longer than Tom Brady. I I have tons of respect for Tom Brady. Super grateful for what he's done for the Patriots franchise. And I wish him a lot of success in Tampa, but I'm always going to root for the Patriots over one player, unless that player is like a blood relative of mine. 
All right, guys. I hate to interrupt, and I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. I have a Tom Brady goat T-shirt, which I'm going to make. Let's run goat T-shirts for like Kipchoge and stuff. I'm going to make. I'm going to copy the design, but I don't want to talk NFL. I have no desire to talk NFL. If Tom Brady had gone to the Cowboys, we could devote the whole podcast to that. But whatever. Let's talk about running, folks. There's not a lot of action, but there's plenty to discuss, and we're going to discuss it here. Also, check out the, the website, John. We have published part one of a two-part series with Mike Smith, the NAU coach, but why he's coaching Galen Rupp. He gives some insight into the secret workouts. We also have the week that was is up there where we compare Caster Semenya to famous actor Luke Wilson who went to our high school. His PRs are eerily similar to Caster's at 800 and 400. So what can we expect in the 200? And then we have two exclusive book chapters from Craig, World Cross Country champion Craig Virgin. His new book is out. You can purchase an autographed copy, support Craig, and let's get to the to the sponsors of the show. This week's podcast is brought to you by Craig Virgin. We're giving him free publicity. We want you to buy his book. You hold up inside. You need to read his book. So buy his book. Help Craig out. And also it's brought to you by the letsrun.com shoes site. Go to letsrun.com slash shoes. You can get the best reviews, the best prices for shoes. Because of COVID-19, folks, you do not have to feel bad for not getting out and supporting your local store. You might get sick and die if you go to that store. But if you support, if you support Little Let's Run, it's unlikely that you'll get it from the packaging. I read that, that, uh, that the COVID-19 virus normally only stays about 24 hours on cardboard box. So just once you get the package, I know there's a tendency to rush and open it. Just... Wait one day and then open it. You'll, you'll uh, probably that, be that's good. Robert just ordered me a beautiful new PC from, and it came from China. And you know, I was worrying, oh, do I, do I, when do I open it? And Robert's like, oh no, you're good to go. So, haven't actually opened it yet, but I, I will this afternoon. Our listeners don't like Robert giving any sort of medical advice. Have you read something or anything? <laughs> it's kind of getting a little bit crazy. I was there, there's a thread on Let's Run. I can link to this in the show notes. And Dr. Sanjay Gupta, like he's considered the medical expert. Him and Jake Tapper were on CNN, and they started, like, going crazy. CNN had a camera out on the waterfront, and people were exercising, looking like they were proper, practicing proper social distancing to me. And they, they just, like, people aren't taking this seriously, such and such. And they were getting angry, and there's a th- this thread on Let's Run. Actually, I have a confession, guys. I rarely do this. I started the thread. Under a fake name, well, then? Yes. I wasn't sure, but I, it made me angry because I, I had heard exercising was allowed. And I should I admit to this, guys? No, it, it's fine. Look, Walden is taking this stuff very personally. He's getting a few emails from a few people who say that if we allow any discussion of anyone who's saying that this is there's an overreaction to COVID nineteen, that we should not have shut down the economies of every country in the world, that we have death on our hands, folks. It's a free society. People can voice their opinions. If they want to, if we know that it's false information, we'll delete it. But if some people think, you know, I mean, as recently as two or three days ago, Britain was was considering just quarantining the elderly and letting everybody else go about their, their normal lives with social distancing. Now, they didn't do that, but it's not to say like someone who suggests that is some crackpot. So, right. Well, there's going to be some is getting very concerned that, you know, about this. And I, I apparently a few podcast listeners think I downplayed what this is all about. It's not. I went back and listened to what I said last week, and it's very consistent. I was mainly upset that what the Ivy League was doing for their stupid basketball tournament made no sense. It made no sense not to play this game in front of no fans and while you're going to let other sports go on. 
if you're going to shut everything down, then it makes sense. So they did sh eventually shut everything down. So that's consistent with my thinking. Another thing, as I said, was I, I was basically predicting a quarantine within two weeks. Within a, within two weeks. Well, presenting something as a conspiracy theory and saying that they're going to play the NCAA tournament and then go into quarantine and cancel spring sports, that doesn't really count as predicting. That's something that you throw out there and then try to give yourself credit for a week no, later. And I, I'm not going to let you do that. I said all along that this was ridiculous. Uh, uh, my view, on, my view on this, this is going to really enrage people. My view on this COVID nineteen uh, rant incoming, Rojo rant. Here it comes. My view on this is, ex I have two thoughts. It's going to be just, it's the same view I have on, on global warming. I'm not saying that global warming is not a real problem, but when it becomes, when it, when it's about to become a serious problem, we take drastic action and we solve it. That's what we're doing now. We are fearing this is going to be another Italy. We are fearing this is going to be another China and. The U.S. is clamped down. I am optimistic. Other people are not nearly as optimistic. But hey. Right. I mean, we'll find out. But it is crazy. I mean, I was reading an article posted about at the time our podcast started last week, maybe a couple of days before. And this was a former Obama guy, infectious disease guy. He briefed Obama when the swine flu came out. And he said one of the first things President Obama asked him, he said, will a million Americans die from this? And he's like, I confidently said no. And then this guy goes on to say, I'm not confident, you know, this could kill a million Americans. This is before any of the stuff went down. And he, the stuff he's advocating one week ago was like, we shouldn't shake hands. We shouldn't have large group gatherings. You should consider working from home. I mean, we've gone so far beyond that in one week. It's pretty amazing how this went. And hopefully, yeah, it really sort of nips this at the bud and then also lets it so we can come back to normal. Because at some point, people do need to go back to some sort of normal. Maybe we have a new normal. I don't know about you guys. I'm, I'm kind of tired about speculating wildly about stuff we only kind of know about. I'd rather speculate wildly about stuff we do know about, which is running. Do you guys want to talk about some running or you want to keep talking about this Corona well, thing? Yeah, I do. But also, like, I'm curious also, like, what you guys are doing with Corona, how your cities are reacting. It's sort of different going into the city today myself. But like this Dr. Gupta thing, I mean, he's an expert. There's no way around it. Yet the city ordinance in San Francisco allows exercising you can exercise with someone in your own immediate family and not practice social distancing with them. So, like, this is allowed, yet these experts, it's just very easy to get caught up one way or the other. People take this seriously, but, like, if you're getting too stressed out, just step back. Don't watch the news for a few days. Live your life. It's a very different life. But I think, you know, they're talking about the hospital beds, the problem in New York being 45 days from now. Like, we can't really comprehend that. If there's problems, we've only done, like, I think, 50,000 tests for this. They're talking about more people dead than that. I mean, like, we can't even really comprehend that. So if we're freaking out now, hopefully trying to stop it, there's so much more to come. Okay, John, I agree with you. Let's talk about running. But, John, I do hate to break it to you. You said on last week's podcast you were talking, tired of talking about coronavirus. We're going to be talking about it a lot. Well, no, I, I, I obviously... Obviously, it's a, it's the biggest story in the world. It's it one kind of, of reminds stories. me of, of a number one song. Like, when you're tired of it, it's just getting to number one, and then it stays there for, like, weeks on end. So, Coronav You heard it here from Rojo. Coronavirus is the um, old town road of diseases. Yes, pretty much. So, anyways, last week we started the podcast by saying all the races were po postponed and canceled, but London and Boston were still on for then, but we kind of saw the writing on the wall, and that has happened. Both have been postponed to the fall. And this creates an interesting schedule. We're going to have the Olympics marathons, if the Olympics are held, August 8th and 9th. Then Boston, September 14th. Berlin, September 27th. London, October 4th. 
Chicago, October 11th, New York City, November 1st. So what do you guys think about that? I mean, I put it in the week that was my four big takeaways. And my first one was, damn, I was really looking forward to Pekile versus Kipchoge. But then John pointed out to me, well, they're likely to still race because you would think that both Kenya and Ethiopia would be smart enough to put them on the Olympic team if the Olympic teams are held. Olympics are held. And if the Olympics are canceled, you would think by October, the London Marathon could be held. So we'd have it, probably have it there, right? So maybe I shouldn't be too down on that, John. Uh, yeah, I mean, I who knows with any of these sporting events? I mean, who knows where we're going to be a few months from now? But if we are going to have marathons this year, there's a pretty good chance that Bekele and Kipchoge race each other in one of them, which will be awesome. Two sub-202 men have never raced in history in the marathon. They are the only sub-202 men in history in the marathon. But I think there's a lot of... I mean, I think, first of all, this fall, let's say that we get back to normal with sports this fall. It's going to be one of the most ridiculous falls. It's going to be a cornucopia for sports fans because you've got all these major marathons, but they're going to have... All this other stuff that's getting rescheduled, like Kentucky Derby, the Masters might be in the fall, all this crazy stuff you're going to have the NFL. It's just every weekend is going to be like or stay on the couch all weekend, just watch sports. And you got three major marathons in a row. you got four and five weeks. The one issue is while I love all these races, the quality is just not going to be the same because if you've got the, you have six majors in three months, including the Olympics and many athletes will only run one, one marathon during that period. So I, I'm kind of curious what these fields are going to look like. Like is London just going to, they, we know London has the most financial muscle. Are they just going to sh- suck up everyone who's not running the Olympics and everyone else is going for scraps or does one of these races like Boston or London throw out a ton of money for one big star? I mean, how is it going to work? It's very interesting because, like, will the races have a bidding war because there's not that many people to go around? So maybe you overpay than, than you would normally. And I do think, you know, my, my other prediction in the week that was, was I think you're going to see some people, assuming the Olympics are held, do the Olympics in the New York. I mean, occasionally you see that, but it seems like there's going to be an extra financial incentive if you missed out in your spring marathon. You missed a huge payday. But I, I think Kipchoge should do New York. Why wouldn't he do New York? Assuming he runs the Olympics, he's clearly not going to do London or Berlin. A few weeks later, but gets like two months off, goes to New York. I'm not saying uh, I'm not a hundred percent ruling out Bel- ruling out London. The Olympic marathons on August 9th, London's on October fourth. That's a very very tight turnaround. But we don't know what these contracts say. I mean, do, do they have anything? Is he still bound to do London? Would he really want to do? He, I know he loves racing in London. It's I'm not totally ruling it out, but I think Olympic in New York is the more logical, exciting double for him. I'm not going to let coronavirus change my life too much, John. You said it was a tight turnaround. That was pre-Super Shoes. With the Super Shoes, the turnaround might be a lot easier. (laughs) Boom! You guys thought that we weren't going to mention shoes this week. (laughs) There it is, our Vaporfly segment. we got to get Nike to start paying us for that shit. I mean, like, otherwise we'll start calling it some other company's segment. Yeah, then uh, then we can be accused of being corporate shills for Nike, which is what everyone wants to see. I mean, right, there will be obviously bidding wars, right? When you have more people bidding for the same amount of talent, the price goes up. That that just seems sort of human nature. But athletes are only going to be able to win one race. So 
I guess overall, I think athletes will make less. They'll make more for the one race than they probably would have in the past. But who knows? I mean, the world economy could be very different. These races, I mean, just there's so many repercussions we haven't really thought of. If sports resume, are we going to have arenas like, you know, every other seat? I mean, how the, the world, maybe still no fans. This is, I also like this. We're going to be able to compare these marathon recruitment teams to each other. And it's really going to lay bare who has the most money and who has the best recruiters because all the people are essentially competing for the same talent pool. So you just line up those fields against each other and you're like, look, this is where we stand. This is who's the best, has the most financial muscle. Here's who gets the most, the best fields, you know? And Jim Walmsley fans, the comrades marathon is still on for June. First week of June. I think, is that correct, Robert? Correct. Thankfully someone has some semblance again, take this stuff seriously, but I don't understand why we're canceling things 10 weeks out. You said the Kentucky Derby was canceled, John. Yeah, well, postponed. Like, I personally, and I'm sure I'll be criticized for this, but we need some sports to entertain ourselves. I was thinking about this. Imagine if there weren't lawyers, what sports would still be going on if there was no threat of a lawsuit? I imagine the XFL would be going on right now. Think about how many fans they would be getting. People would be eating that shit up. So, even not in person, right? You could just watch on TV. Yeah, I'd watch the shit out of the XFL. I would watch the game in town. Any sport now. On TV, I heard the Turkish Super League is still on. If they put that on ESPN, I will watch it. Okay, uh, I haven't, I haven't sunk that. I'm not willing to sink that low yet. This is soccer, right? It is soccer, right? I just want to make sure it's not some other sport. <laughs> Turkish Super League, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd watch it for sure. I heard also, uh, is Australian rugby still going with no fans? Put that on ESPN. We'll watch. And ESPN, if you're listening, why isn't there a thirty for thirty every night? That's something we want. And also, and let's run. We're going to start doing this, I think, as well. Maybe like once a week, we'll say like, hey, but. Bekele, or who did Kipchoge race? Kipchoge, El Garouche, and Bekele are all running. You know, the what was that? 2000? 2003 World Championship 5000 meter final. I think that might be this Saturday. And then we all kind of have like a viewing thing and rewatch it and talk about we it. We can have live threads about it and people complaining about the broadcast and all that stuff. I, I just, I want some sporting events. I still think like... I guess these people kind of there's a social element to these sports. Like, couldn't you have horses race each other without two? Maybe I guess the jockeys are kind of close together. But golf, like, come on, the Masters. Well, what about ten- tennis? Tennis would be the ideal. No. Everyone's way away from each other. No, in tennis you touch the same ball. In golf you do not oh, touch the same right. ball. That's right. I thought about it. basketball is really filthy. Think about it. everyone touches the same basketball, but tennis you touch the same ball. But it- a new ball for every point. Exactly. New ball for every point. This will help the economy get going again because what makes so many tennis balls. We could easily be playing golf. It's just they didn't want to have the, 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 the like criticism from some woke person on Twitter saying, oh, the rich white dudes are still playing golf. But it would be good for the economy. I'm not supporting this idea. You think you say we easily could have it, but you still need people at the course. You need officials. You need, you know, you need TV crews. There's more that just goes into golf than the golfers. But John, with golf, think about it. Ignore people having to travel there. But these guys well, golf- I can't ignore that because people have to travel there. They have private jets. Yeah. You can find a local TV crew, right? Every golf, sure, there might be, and, and how many golfers are there? But they're all spaced out. There would never need to be ten people in the same spot. You can keep everybody six feet it's away this, pretty easily. This stuff just sounds like a pain in the ass. Is it even worth it? I don't even normally watch golf outside the majors. I mean. I don't know. Watch some old golf tournament that you don't remember who won. Like, here's the best thing: go on YouTube, check out races from the 70s and 80s. Like, I don't. Nick Willis posted a link to the 1986 Commonwealth Games 1500 meter final. 
this, this morning. I don't know who won that race, but I assume it's pretty good because Nick Willis is tweeting it out. So I'll, I'll watch that race. It'll be, oh, wow, this is exciting. You know, we need to convert your f- sports starved friends. This is my whole marketing pitch. There was a video on Twitter the other day. It was marbles racing. And people were like, oh my God, look how exciting this is. Guess what? All these people who aren't running fans tell them, hey, we've got this treasure trove of races on YouTube. Watch them. You don't know who won, but middle distance r- r- races, they almost always come down to a kick. We're going to have a new, whole new fan base of r- fan, running fans when the sport resumes. John, that, that's crazy. My, here's my crazy idea. We let's run.com. I'll take the heat. We create our own sporting events. Oh my so, God. John, this is a brilliant idea. No, please don't do this. I want to have a salary. I don't want you to get sued and then you're not going to be able to pay me. Everything. How am I going to get sued? What we have is, I'm not sure how we, I'm quite, quite sure how we're going to pull it off, but we get the podcast listeners. There's thousands of them. Everybody chips in like a dollar a week or $2. Instead of tipping John, they put it in the money. So we get like 10 grand, which is. See, I knew you'd come off to my salary. Yeah. We get like 10 grand or even $1,000 whatever it is, and we come up with a race. Like, this Saturday, we're going to have a mile. Now, I don't know if we want to have entries and just limit it to, like, five pros, and they go to the local track, and they run solo, no rabbits, nothing. They film it, and then they we submit they submit the – or they, they could broadcast it live one after another. We, we have them at different times. So, like, 10 o'clock, Kyle Merber goes, 10.05, Nick Willis goes, 10.10. And then the – But winner, they don't allow – they can't know what the other people ran. You, you don't let them know. Oh, don't let them know? Okay, no, they all, no. Then they all run it at the same time. Yeah. Okay. No, okay, we could just have them film it. Their friend has to record it. Then they send it all into us, and then we, we, we publish them one after another. Right, because, I mean, at first, right, when we can space this out as society slowly loosens its restrictions, at first it'll be, like, solo racing time trialing, and then we'll let them race, like, lanes apart. And then finally we can probably have real races of under 10 people. Uh, I mean, there's lots of multiplicities. And then you could also have – I, I want to see time trial racing – like, have them race a mile, no watch allowed. They just have to go run a mile, all yeah, out, no watch. Like and we want proof. Like, we'll have, the filmer has to prove that there's, like, no clock on the scoreboard secretly going. I want full-fledged, how fast can these guys run a mile, no pacing, no watch, no nothing. That would be great. Also, the first sport back, I thought about this. Tiger will play Phil, something like that. They did that over Thanksgiving last year. The caddy can just bring the fucking camera and live stream it on Twitch or something. I would pay chip in for coronavirus relief. The caddy's going to film that. It's a horrible view quality. You, you, the- John, people won't care if Tiger played. I don't care, and they're just watching. I would pay right now to watch it. Ten dollars, like well, everybody I- would. So golf is the first one back. Just a couple guys, like aren't like Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas buddies or something. Just go shoot around yourself. Have a third guy. Proper social distancing. Stream it. I'll f- f and watch it, man. I, f- I find it really funny, though, that usually we'd be complaining about all these people time-trialing, like, oh, it's so boring, we need real races, and now we're grasping at straws, begging pros to just record themselves running a solo time-trial against each other <laughs> so we can see what they do. Guys, if you like this idea and you can think of the specifics, if you're an event person, pick up the phone, give me a call, 844-538-7786, 844-LET'S-RUN, or email me, Robert, at Let's Run. I think I'm on to hear something. We've got to have these races, you know, whatever. Or we could just do, I was thinking, we include the amateurs. Like, everybody submits a race, and we don't know who's going to win the winner. It could be the 35 to 39-year-old age group winner that gets all the money. It could be the pro that gets all the money. Or it just could be a random person that gets all the money. But I guess the average person isn't really going to watch, like, a 45-year-old dude run a mile, do they? 
Anyways, back to the marathons and the fall schedule. The other big thing that hit me, John, you live in Boston. I often go to the Massachusetts beaches at the end of the summer. It's hot as hell in August in Boston. So September 14th seemed kind of early to be holding a fall marathon. Is it even fall on September 14th? Not officially. Not according to the government. Yeah. So uh, you and I did some research here. Here's the high temperature at 12 noon, which is when the race would be ending. The last, not the high temperature, the actual temperature of the last five years in Boston, working backwards from 2019 to 2015. 71, 73, 81, 87, and 68. So 40% of the time you've had a temperature over 80 degrees. I'll tell you what, if I'm picking a fall marathon, I'm skipping Boston. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to run in those conditions. As much as I love the Boston Marathon and think it's a great event, I mean, if you can run Chicago in the middle of October or New York on November 1st, that's just, you're going to have much better weather for, uh, not even worried about a fast time, but just having fun out there. Like, I wouldn't want to run a marathon in 80 degree weather. It'd be miserable, but... I think there are a lot of people, they train their whole lives, so they've trained for years to run the Boston Marathon, and they're not going to want to give it up. Yeah, and the dew point is also over 50, when normally for Boston it's in the 30s. But yeah, I mean, last week when I re-listened to the podcast, I was wondering how the coronavirus talk w- w- would sound. I actually re-listened to it, thought it was fine. I thought we appropriately, you know, worried about what was going to come and stuff like that. But the Boston stuff, we were hoping that they would hold the elite race in Boston or London. The idea that they'd hold just an elite race for the pros in Boston is absurd. Like Boston is kind of the people's marathon. You got to qualify. Of course, they're not going to do just the pro race. I was still kind of hoping, holding out hope for London because I think it might be the British Olympic trials. Well, the Britain's already said they kind of want to have a special Olympic trials race still that same weekend. They want to get the top British marathoners together and do it. So, yeah, I, I was somewhat surprised. Wait, what? What do you mean? What? Well, wait. We, that'll be the first event back a solo the world will watch running will become popular actually well yeah we'll do a huge preview it'll be we'll talk to all the british marathoners this is your time to shine if you're not very you know with splash pages Ho- hopefully they don't start it in the morning just for americans don't start it in the morning start it at like 3 p.m you'll have a fucking huge audience or just run it at night in britain well, we'll all watch it'll be great america will come f- the world will come together I apologize to the parents listening while well, using the F word needlessly for no reason there. That's right. We have kids now bored listening to the podcast. We should make sure it's not explicit. Well, just wait till we get to me explaining the multiples of six challenge later in the show. And tell them to listen, stop listening. <laughs> but we're, we're, uh, we're uh, very, you know, kid-friendly for the next few, few, uh, few segments here. All right. Anything else on marathon season, guys, or should we... Moving on. Well, I guess, no, actually, one thing I would say, Americans, the Americans are going to be like, this is my, their chances of winning a full major have just doubled or tripled in some cases for some of these athletes. Now, they're still not great because the depth in Kenya and Ethiopia is really good. But if you're like a guy like Scott Farble or Jared Ward, who didn't run your best race at the trials, and now you're bouncing back for the full marathons, you know, he, they got to think, hey, I got a shot if, if London and, New York and Chicago, and they, if they go to Boston and it's a hot weather day and all these other majors are sucking up the talent, they got a shot. 
so what, John? You think that the, all the other majors are going to suck up all fifty-five men that ran two hundred six thirty or faster last year? And you think all fifty-five men who ran two hundred six thirty or faster are going to beat Jared Ward and Scott Farble in a marathon? No, J- look, I, I don't need them all to beat him. I only need one of them to beat him. John, they got a shot at what? At winning. Winning. You think Jared Ward or Scott Fable has a shot of winning a world marathon major? I I'm not saying I'm saying they have a chance. I'm not saying they should be favored to win. I'm not saying they will win. I'm saying their double odds just doubled or tripled, and because the talent's going to be so spread out this fall, ch- chances of something crazy like that happening just went up. Leonard Correa too. He's got a shot. Well, Leonard career career's upside is bigger than those guys, but like John. Scott Fobble, who we may have on the podcast soon, actually. I emailed him this past week. He was just 12th at the Olympic trials. 12th. Yeah. A guy like that doesn't win world marathon majors. Granted, Dez did freak circumstance. Shalane did. It's happened. If it's a super hot weather day, I mean. If they invite two Kenyans, three Kenyans, and that's it. If there's yeah. only, if they really water down the fields, there's a chance. That could happen. But and also. Hey. What about all the other Americans who beat these guys? They've got a chance too. I, I'm just saying, the Amer- I'm not saying an American will win. I'm saying the odds of an American victory are much higher uh, than they were before all these races were rescheduled to the fall. But I should also point out, like Leonard Kohler, I'm talking up his chances. I mean, this guy was only 11th in Amsterdam last fall, and Amsterdam's not even a major. I mean, there is plenty of talent to go around. I still think it's unlikely, but I think the chances just went up. That's pretty amazing. 11th in Amsterdam for career. All right, guys. Last week, we saw the writing on the wall for the Boston, and it happened. Let's talk about the Olympics. My family planning has been perfectly planned so I can attend this year's Olympics after missing out on the last one due to the Zika scare. But I'm kind of worried it's going to be canceled. But I don't think that it necessarily should be canceled. My prediction is by May 1st, we'll be on the coming out of this coronavirus scare getting ready to do sporting events. But let's say it's two months, you know. The trials are when? Early June, John? June 19th through 28th. So it's end of June. But if we don't start doing running events till mid-May, people don't even have their qualifiers. How? Do, let's, let's assume the Olympics are not canceled. What should USATF do about the trials? I have a very concrete idea, but let's hear your thoughts first. Well, when do you think, when are we getting back to running? When 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 are we allowed to run again? Because I think if possible, you bump the trials to like the first and second week of July or you collapse them. Usually US championships are only four days long. Collapse them and make them, you know, July, the second weekend of July or something. Track and field doesn't start at the Olympics until July 31st. So that gives them, you know, two weeks between the trials and Olympics is not ideal, but... I think you could still do that. But you also, you got to think about the qualifying standard. You you want to expand the trials, Robert? I think that's probably a good idea, but... Yeah. Yeah. What, what, have, I, what have I been ripping on this podcast for, and, uh, and on the website? This is simple to me. I've been ranting about USATF for years. They've only had 30 people. They're in three rounds of the 1500. You go from 30. Normally, there's a couple scratches. You go from like 27 or 28 to 24 in the next round. It's a complete waste of time. You just need to put more people in the trials. People are not going to have time to hit the qualifiers, whatever. So if you have three rounds, you can easily let in 48. You count last year's times. Uh, you go from 48 to 24 to 12 in the 1500. In the 5,000, 
you're going to have what? Is there only two rounds, John, or is there three in the in, in, two rounds at the trials? Again, 48. You can easily have two round two heats of 24, or three heats of 16. Get it down to. Uh, I, I would take. Uh, I don't know. Take a little larger in the final. You can have a 16 person final for all I care. You need to have more people in the trials. It needs to be like the Olympic trials in the marathon. Just have more people. It's not a bad thing. And then what I'm really worried about is people. To me, the biggest winners and so. Anyways, what do you guys think of that? Well, I I like that. I also think expand the qualifying window. Basically, all 2019 marks are now valid for qualifying for the 2020 Olympic trials. That'll cover almost every relevant athlete. And then you'll have people like so Evan Jager didn't race last year, but if you're like a you know recent U.S. champion or something, you you allow them entry that way. I mean, you're going to cover almost everyone. I think that way there'll be a few people who miss out maybe but you know hopefully you have one or two meets which is sort of last chance qualifiers for people who haven't gotten a mark in 2020 so far yeah i think you want to be as inclusive as possible let in as many people so you get more people if you can have the trials in any way you have them i thought one of you guys were going to advocate not having them or something or like oh athletes need time to get ready if somehow the olympics are a go i don't give a shit if athletes haven't been training properly, whatever. We ho- if health authorities and, J- and the Japanese people decide we're having the Olympics and Americans determine that we can get there safely, you go. I don't care if athletes haven't had four months. I mean, running's pretty easy. Distance running in particular, you can train pretty well solo by yourself or mm-hmm. in small groups. So I think they'll probably be better off than most, than maybe some team sports. But like, who cares if somebody's running 1310 instead of 1258? It would be the greatest sign the world can persevere if we could come together in olympics right so uh, i hope they come on i I applaud the japanese for saying they're still going to have the olympics you don't say you're going to cancel it until the last second possible i applaud eugene for saying the same thing i mean sure there's some travel involved but i think for certain events people need optimism they need hope and there's no point now i mean some school stuff some other stuff's been canceled in well into april maybe through May for some schools even. But besides that for events, if you have an event in June, say it's still on. There's no there's no reason now to cancel for any reason, like except just to diminish the spirits. I think it would be great for, for, for like the human race, really, if, if like one of the first big sporting events was the Olympics. Everybody gets together. My fear, though, is does the country really want a bunch of people coming from all over bringing potentially the virus back? I was thinking you could ban international spectators and just do it with the athletes and let the local spectators come. But then again, what industry is going to be wiped? One of the industries hit the hardest from this. It's going to be the travel and the airline industry. So they kind of need the business. So I'm afraid that we're not going to have it, but I'm not, I still think that we should hold out on that. So, you know, now the other standard I have is the biggest winners and losers right now. To me, the biggest winner in terms from a track and field standpoint of this epidemic is anyone with the Olympic standard right now is sitting pretty because people are not going to have time to hit these standards. So I personally would like to see the IOC and world athletics do what they did with the marathon and sort of just, they don't, they've never wanted to do this, but say, Hey, United States, you get, you know, a hundred entries to the Olympics, figure them out, which events. And you can say, we've got three in this. We've already got three, 1500 people, three, 800 people, whatever. And anyone who's top three goes because I don't know. I, I, I don't want to have some lame Olympic trials where only the people of the standard have a shot of going. People don't have time to improve the world ranking. There needs to be some exceptions to this. I know it's not perfect, but come on. Like we can make exceptions because of this global pandemic. 
Well, I think the, and the positive thing is if you read the communiques from IOC, they actually have sort of been open to this possibility of changing the qualifying criteria for certain sports. So I think that's a good sign. Then anyway, the other thing is if we have these Olympics, are there going to be asterisks if we have a bunch of crazy upsets because certain people aren't in shape or certain people are able to train and certain other people weren't? I think it makes it a lot more exciting because normally we go in and we're like, all right, we know how everyone's in shape. We know what sort of races they've been doing, what results they've been doing. We kind of know who's going to win most of these events. Going in, we might only we might have zero meets. We might have one meet from some of these top stars. Not everyone might be in shape. I think it creates a ton of uncertainty, which is usually pretty exciting in track and field. Yeah, I'm all for Olympics with not a lot of races before then. I mean, people may look back at this podcast and say, oh, you guys are nuts for talking about the Olympics. I mean, we'll... When I re- I just was reading the journal before we started this thing, I think it said like, oh, they expect to run out of beds if they had a hospital problem 45 days from now. So <laughs> if that's the case, just psychologically, there's no way they'd say we're having Olympics six weeks. You know, would that be what? That would be end of May, um, two months later, three months later. No way, I feel like. But now, yeah, we let's let, let's see what happens. Right? There's no reason to sort of cancel them now for sure. I agree. I mean, the, the Olympics, the opening ceremony is until July twenty fourth. What's the what's the reason to cancel it now? Like, if the athletes can't do it, then you're saying, oh, they're not going to have any. They're not going to know what to train for. Well, what are they going to be training for anyway? They don't have anything scheduled other than the Olympics. So, I think why well, there's no reason to make a big call about this for another few weeks at least, probably a month or two. It'd be a great July twenty fourth. That's Letron.com Founders Day too, John. If Founders Day and Olympics go off on the same day. I mean, 2020 could really turn around quick. Well, then this this is actually funny. I got to bring this up because I sent you a text the other day, and it was it's quasi related to Founders Day. So I went on a run yesterday with a friend. I was not running right up on his shoulder, but I did meet up with him to run, and I was telling him about your article why I sucked in college, and he'd never heard about the article before. And I think he thought I was talking about an article you had written, but it was actually, you know, it was something you had written, but he thought you wrote it about someone else. It was actually about you. And he texts me back right after I run in all caps, Weldon ran 2806? And he's like, I had no idea. Your bosses are such accomplished runners. I assumed the article you were talking about was an interview with some stud without realizing your, your bosses are the studs. And I guess he's giving Robert some credit there. You might have mentioned that Robert was a 223 marathoner, not too shabby. But he also shares a birthday with you guys, July 24th. So uh, hopefully your ego is not too big right now, but you guys seem, Weldon seem pretty happy with this news. If Corona wasn't devastating America, I would gloat. But wait, I'm kind of curious. John, first of all, don't admit to running with someone else during this. They're going to throw me in jail, citizen's arrest. You, I've read you can run with distance sinks. That's fine. I saw 10 men elite on uh, Instagram. They're doing like t- like a tempo run. They said, we're practicing distancing. I wasn't sure what that meant because we're still a couple runners together, but maybe they're roommates. Anyway, but you're not this guy. Like, is he struggling with his running? And you're like, you need to read this article, why I, I sucked in college. I'm kind of curious why you brought this up. Um, I'm trying to remember how it came up. I... Th- I think we were just talking about what content ideas I had for Let's Run and how we're going to get through this without races to talk about. And somehow this got brought up that it was, I was like, yeah, this is the most, oh, we were talking about how you guys were going to, Let's Run was originally founded to spread the gospel of John Kellogg's coaching. 
And one of the articles that you guys did that through was through your article, Why I Sucked in College. And if you guys have, if anyone's listening and hasn't read the article, it's really good. Well, it gives you all the tips, how he went from sort of a also-ran college runner to, well, I mean, Weldon's probably about my level in college. I might have even been better than him. And he turned into a really good runner, 2806 as a pro. So read that article. But that came up. And then I was I was like, yeah, I'll text you the article afterwards. It's really good. And you're being generous when you use the word pro, John. Although I think now enough time's gone by. I did make $10,000 when I paced Paula Radcliffe to a world record in the marathon. I wasn't supposed to announce that. That was supposed to be confidential, but I feel like... I thought you escorted her. Escorted, excuse me. I'm yeah. sorry, Car- Carrie Pinkowski. I had all these bonus structures built in. Well, well then just broke the NDA. I just feel like with Corona, it's okay to share, but that was by far the most money I ever made in running. But hey, I was part of a world record. That's my claim to fame. Yeah, you got the job done. I think you're I, good wait, now. Right? Wait, I d- also my claim to fame, in my last USATF Nationals, I beat Abdi Abdurrahman, who made the Olympic team what, two and a half weeks ago? It's kind of crazy the trials were two and a half weeks ago. Abby will be the first American track and field male to be in five Olympics. If, if we have Olympics. Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, can you imagine? One, Abby's made it. So if he doesn't get to go to his fifth, it's okay. But like, you're a Jake Riley, oh. an Alephine Tulamuk, Molly Seidel, Sally Kipiego, first one for America. Like, it's brutal. Not being able to. You still made it. You still did it. But, to be like the 1980 Olympians. You know, you made the team, but you didn't actually get, get to go. But the 80, some of them now, I realize, like, they held the trials knowing there wouldn't be an Olympics. Is it the same even thing? This You could argue this one's worse. But, you know, people now are already debating. If the Olympics get postponed, we rehold the Olympic marathon trials. But no, we already talked about this. Absolutely not. For what about we had a deal this was the trials for the olympics everyone knew that we all agreed we're gonna run this one race to make the team we have the results there's no reason to hold the the trials again what if they're in 2022 oh 2020 all right that's that's different but i don't think it's gonna be 2022 so 2021 you you honor the marathon trials john yes 2022 abdi would be 45 at this point right I think you do have to rehold the trials. I would feel terrible for him, but I think you have to re have another trials. I mean, I'm not. Also, the Olympic marathon trials are awesome, so I would have another trials in like February 2022. Okay, guys, we mentioned if you were following us on Twitter or on the message boards, we put out a call for some mailbag questions. So we're gonna take some time to answer some readers' questions. The first one <coughs> comes from Jonathan M, and he says. I'd be interested to hear Weijo talk about a sample training block under Coach Kellogg and for Rojo to give sample training blocks at Cornell. Do either of you care to divulge the secrets of your genius? Wow. Oh, man. John? First of all, I got some bad news. One, we need John Kellogg on the show. He would know much better than me. But two, maybe I have some written logs, but John used to like email me the training. And I had a Hotmail account at the time. I'm not sure those things still exist, but... Hotmail does still exist. My parents have a Hotmail address. I'll try to find it. But the the big picture is you got to read this Why I Sucked in College. I just feel like I just wake up, run twice a day, finish faster than you start, do some high-low training, and boom, you're running fast. (laughs) Don't complicate it. Sounds way too easy, but when I was really training it was pretty easy 
I was running a lot. The pace of my easy days, I didn't worry about. I was doing a lot of volume, even like, but in the hard sessions, it's not about like killing yourself every day. It's about the cumulative stuff you're doing. It's like each workout needs to have a purpose. And generally my number one advice for anything is start finish faster than you start pretty much every run, every interval. If you're doing 10 intervals, if you're not doing the last ones faster than the first ones, you did it wrong. I'm sure there's some exceptions I could come up with when you're really hitting it. Some of your last intervals aren't the fastest, but listen to your body. I mean, it's you guys aren't going to like some of my training. Obviously, the workouts are important and how you structure them. But I think so many people, they're, they're looking for the wrong thing. They're looking at the trees instead of like understanding like how the forest is laid out. Okay, folks, let me interrupt Walden here. First of all, why would I want to give out my information for free? The internet started with a terrible business idea. Give everything away for free. It's almost impossible to make money. So I really am thinking about starting a paid coaching site with John Kellogg. That could come out. But while Walden was going on and on and on, I searched through my box of old stuff here, and I found a little business card. John, can you see it in, in the video that I'm putting up? Move it to a little lower on the screen, Robert. There we go. Long-term running keys. Be healthy, be dedicated. Short-term running keys. I used to hand the kids at Cornell a business card. And I said, look, running is very simple. Short-term running keys. Four things. Well, it, looks, it says five, but I have a, actually a point above that. Listen to your body and train smart. You need to ask yourself before you run every day, what is the point of today's run or recovery day? Run or rest. If, if it's an off day, though. what is the point of today? Are you injured, sick, or too tired? Everything should be slower to faster. Think effortless. Effort, that's point number three. Relaxed equals fast. Weldon taught me this. Remember, you aren't trying to run hard. You're trying to run fast. And number five, recovery is key. And then the long term. This is simple. Be healthy. Be dedicated. Run more. Number one, stay healthy. Number two, progress in your training. Generally, that means more mileage every year. And three, be consistent. Repeat it day after day, month after month, year after year. Boom. Very simple. I know I didn't give specifics. But speaking of not giving specifics, John, the Mike Smith interview, I got I to gotta get this off my chest. I was reading it today. Good interview with you, by the way. Thanks for convincing him to do it. But, like, Rob does this 24 by 400 workout. You repeatedly ask him what the rest is, and he won't tell you what the rest is. Drove me freaking nuts. So, I mean... Robert, I don't know how many coaches you've interviewed, but most of them don't like talking about their workouts. Like, some of them will give you specifics. Ben Rosario, he's very open. He'll tell you everything. The vast majority of them don't like getting into specific, specifics about workouts, and I don't think Mike Smith's any different. I asked him a couple times. He gave me, you know, he said it was a few minutes between reps and long breaks between sets. That was, that was his answer. Huh. Well, I guess I didn't give out my specifics, but I just don't have them. So maybe maybe next week we'll, or sometime we'll get John, you know, on the uh, so podcast. Back to that Mike Smith, John. Are we led to believe that he did 20 quarters at 60 or sub 60 or is it 62? That's five miles at four minute pace. That is why I asked the question, because that's a pretty unbelievable workout. The way Mike Smith explained it, it was actually it was 24 by 400. Uh, and they had some breaks in between sets. And he said, look, the goal was to run roughly mile pace, which for Rupp would be right now for Rupp is a marathoner, 404 to 408. And he said that would be 61 or 62 per 400. If you're running 60.8 or 60.9 instead of 61.0, then 
then that's, you know, you say you run it in 60. I don't know what his split was for every single workout, but he seemed to think this was not, he said, you know, a lot of, a lot built into that. It was, but Mike didn't seem to think it was totally amazing that we should be blown away by it. I'm, I'm still pretty blown away by it. Most people can do five miles of their mile pace if they space out the quarters enough. That seems a lot to me. Yeah, same with me. I mean, I I certainly, I don't think I could have done that in college. I obviously wasn't as good as Galen Rupp, but that's why I asked him about it, because it seems pretty crazy. All right, well, we should have like a training thread of the week. I'm starting a thread on that that workout, because I'm definitely very big picture when I think of training when I first start. But to think like, oh, workout XYZ compared to mile pace... And some people in Let's Run are very good at saying, oh, actually, that's not that hard or that's impossible. So the the way I always thought about it was you could run about as fast as your race pace f- for the same amount of distance in practice. So if I'm trying to run 70 second quarters for, you know, a 5K, I could probably do, you know, I guess if you have a lot of, well, if I was, all right, if I was trying to run seven second quarters and I had a lot of rest, I could definitely run more than 12 and a half of them in a, in a practice. But, you know, if you're not going with humongous amounts of rest, running running a mile pace, I mean, running a mile pace for six miles in a workout, yeah, it's, it seems really hard to do, even with generous rest. Okay, second mailbag question. <clears throat> I've had my best training cycle ever and my spring marathon is going to be canceled. I know a lot of people going through the same thing, especially Boston qualifiers. What's your advice to the average runner going through this? This comes from Ryan Sullivan. I mean, that's a good one. Essentially, that's where Eric, our web developer, is right now. I mean, he's like, look, I'm not in the best shape of my life, but I'm in the best shape I've been in a few years. So I think you've got two options. time, Just solo time trial challenges. Uh, maybe we can organize down the road like people could it wouldn't really work though because even if you did social distancing you need someone running pretty much the same pace but may, maybe if like you know people tried to get together at least kind of like i would go work out with a guy we do different workouts but we kind of start at the same time but i think you got two options you either sort of just try to go out and time trial and maybe we kind of have virtual races and let's run or to get people motivated to take it seriously or you try to delay and see if there's some races and, you know, but I think you're going to be waiting a while if you're trying to race and, <coughs> uh-oh, don't worry, spring allergies, everybody. If you're trying to race and, you know, first day of April, you might be waiting till middle of May. I mean, it's just hard to say, sort of. My advice generally to begin with would say, let's go. We're sort of in a 15-day shutdown. I think that's what the CDC guidelines are. See where we are in 15 days. But the way everything goes with this, I'm just wondering psychologically. Like, let's say actually things scale down way lower than even like the best ep- estimates. We're still going to have way more people infected in, in two weeks than now. And psychologically, could we as a country get back to racing soon after that? I don't know if we could. I hope we could. But the other scenario is like... Yeah, we're we don't hit these wildly optimistic things, and we really have to hunker down for a long time. So, I say maybe for the next couple of weeks, just kind of train. My my advice would be if you're training for a marathon, hopefully you're in pretty good shape. Maybe you haven't raced shorter distances for a while. You haven't tried to go after a half marathon or a 10k or a 5k PL recently. Obviously, those races aren't really available. But maybe go out and t- try to time trial a 10k or a 5k or something like that. 
make use of this fitness, get in a couple races that you wouldn't have maybe otherwise been able to do because of this marathon, and then sort of reset and start running again. It's hard to say we'll just relaunch into another marathon build because we don't know if there's going to be a full one, but I would say try to time trial, take advantage of that fitness and knock out some quote-unquote PRs in these time trials and then sort of take some time off. Yeah, what's going to stop you from going to the track or getting on a towpath and doing a half marathon? I mean, it's hard. I guess people solo think- half marathons just it's tough, you know. One of my favorite running memories. I think it was New Year's Day, two thousand. I sl- I stayed in, went to bed about eight o'clock on New Year's of two thousand because I had a eighteen mile time trial back in my high school. Now, immediately, I had John Kellogg helping me, but I was running it solo. At marathon pace, and I couldn't believe I could do it. I was so excited. I remember screaming out in the middle of it, I am a warrior. It was one of my best. Was there anyone near you when you yelled this out, Robert? John, it's giving me chills just thinking about it. I admire the dedication. A young Robert Johnson choosing to forego a big New Year's Eve night out to run this massive tempo on on New Year's Day. I'm I'm very impressed. Wait, this is Y2K, John, too. You don't really realize. We thought the world was ending. Kind of like... I was alive for Y2K. Everything that was happening was coronavirus. We actually thought was going to happen Y2K. No, this was crackpots. Come on. This was like a computer's reset. The Y2K thing was way overhyped. I, I, I know there was like panic about it. We, we, we would hear about the millennium bug. Just this guy who's going to destroy everything. And the whole nation's, you know, online infrastructure is going to get, you know, it's reset to the dark ages. But... But related to this thing, let me read an email we got from Eric, our web guy. It's called COVID-19 Solo Challenge Thread. And essentially he wrote, he's like, hey, guys, can I make this official and let's run? And he says, over the winter, I had a successful marathon buildup. He's like, but solo time trialing 26-2 poses too many challenges. Water, trying to close the last six miles with no one around, etc. So he's like, so my spring goal, solo time trial, every major distance, half marathon down. He wants to do this with a GPS. It'd be better if he could find a certified course. But, you know, he's got even the dates here. April, May. Late March, he does the half marathon. Then April, May, he does 10K, 5K, 2 mile, mile, and 800. One time trial every week. I'm not sure I could do that. I hated time trialing. It's the worst. I didn't mind racing. I hated time trialing. And uh, were you guys the same way? Racing, at least I could win. I realized for the... This I don't want to sound like a person, but the average person in a road race, it really is just time trialing, right? You're not going to win. There's just mo- oh, you there's got people way in front of you. Like if I went and raced now, there's people way the F ahead of me. But back in the day, a lot of races, there's like, hey, maybe I can be in front. Maybe I can contend for the win. It's just a different mindset. I think it's a great idea. I think we should have a Let's Run official half marathon day. Everybody goes out. You're motivated to do it. You know, everybody in Let's Run Nation is doing it. And I am. And then the next weekend, it's a 10K, next weekend, 5K, then a mile, back to back to back. And of course, like these races that are canceling everybody, we're going to only charge, we'll charge you like $75 each to participate in the Let's Run virtual races. Okay, that was a joke. No, actually, Robert, we did get an email on hosting virtual races, so don't laugh. (laughs) That's why I'm trying to profit off the apocalypse. Okay, another email here or question that I like from the mail back from Lindred. This is interesting to me as a former college coach. What do you recommend our high school seniors and second-year junior college kids do? We haven't been able to show colleges what they can do on the track. Should they take a gap year and run USATF next year? What other ideas do you have? Now, what I was thinking of, to me, he's asking about high school seniors. To me, this is a bigger deal for high school juniors 
at least at Cornell, we were recruiting pretty high-end kids. I didn't care what you ran. All I wanted to know was your spring track season. That was it to me. I didn't care about your other times. I mean, I, I clearly put a lot of effort into recruiting when he was at Cornell. No, I would look at your progression. What do you mean? You said you didn't care what you ran. That doesn't make sense to people. So you need to explain it. You just said, I don't care what you ran. Well, people would say, you know, I, 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 they would give me some freshman year time. I'm like, just wait till your junior year. And then let me see your time. Then, then I'll recruit you based off that. Now I was smart enough to then go off the time. I wanted to see the progression. I wanted to know how much they were training. That's not looking just at this junior year time. Then that's the opposite of what you just said. Well, I just didn't really, it's very hard to, to, to do anything off of a sophomore year time. So it's basically if these people, yeah, and some of these late developers are getting off of senior year times. It's an interesting thing. One, I think the gap year is good for everybody. I just think you don't appreciate school. You're kind of tired of school in high school, but you don't realize how cool it is to be in school until you're in the real world. So good at one year where you get a part-time job, you can train at home, you can put up some time. It's not really a big issue for the distance runners because they can still do things in cross-country. Again, in cross-country, I didn't really care about your times. I cared about your placing at the state meets. But for the sprinters and stuff, for the 800 people, for the 400, this is a disaster. It's going to be really interesting to see what the college's coaches do. So, I mean, yeah, if you're in good shape right now and you can go out and time trial, well, you're not even allowed to get in an unofficial meet, though. So I don't know. It's a tough call. But I think the gap year is a good idea. I mean, I wonder if like, some timing services will just start going to tracks and like we'll do time trials for people. You know, we'll, we'll space everybody out so we won't have more than 10 people or whatever the standards are then. And just, hey, you want to run a 400? We'll time, you know, they can obviously, it could charge even. I mean, they're giving services. It might be good for the economy even. Um, it's just crazy. But like, it's sort of interesting, right? Because track is weird because at least for a lot of schools where you have to apply early, you're applying before your senior season is done. I wanted the same situation for baseball. Now, obviously, if you're a top athlete, you might be able to get anywhere and bend the recruiting rules. But if you're applying to, say, like, I don't know, like, I mean, I went to Yale. If you apply to Yale, they're, they've already made their decision by the time spring track comes around. So if you took off a year your senior year, it's not really going to help you. It'd be for juniors. But I think an extra year definitely doesn't help. You can maybe try to do summer track races, just show times to coaches. Coaches are going to care more about time than, I think, your place at some state meet that may not even exist. Um, but does Not according to Robert Johnson. Cross-country state meet. He said time matters. Time matters. They would probably put more emphasis in on cross-country as well. But, like, yeah, if you go out, if you run a nine-minute, two-mile, no one cares if it's at the AAU meet or at the state meet. It's still a nine-minute, two-mile. Part of it also, if your coach is really trustworthy and people can vouch for you, I can see college coaches going that. I mean, I was thinking about this as a baseball fan, as a Baltimore Orioles fan. Like, how advanced is the drafting? Were they already – had they already prospected all these seniors? You know, because you're going to have to draft dra- – I mean, I guess they have the Cape Cod League in the summer. but The draft will probably be before then, right? Usually it's in, like, June, yeah. Uh, all right, one final question here from the mailbag. This comes from Matt Borkus, friend of Let's Run. Who will have more success away from their longtime coach, Rupp without Salazar or Brady without Belichick? He weighs in. He says, my take, I think Rupp has an inherent advantage here because he almost certainly has more years left in his career than Brady does in his. But if Brady can win just one Super Bowl with the Bucks, that would probably trump whatever Rupp proceeds to accomplish under Mike Smith, save for a gold medal medal in the 2020 Olympic marathon, which let's be honest, isn't happening. So what do you guys think? Rupp 
or Brady, who has more success about his long t- without his longtime mentor? I mean, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win a Super Bowl, John, like, come on, it's definitely Brady. That would just be crazy. If they if they sniff the playoffs, you might even say Brady. But Rupp's already won the trials without his coach, so that's pretty damn good. I mean, Rupp's, Rupp's got a huge head start in this one. Well, Bruce Arians almost won a Super Bowl, the coach, Tampa Bay of Arizona. He was close. Tampa Bay has won he a Super Bowl. He wasn't the coach of Arizona that year. Oh, he wasn't? Well, shows you what I know. And he, I mean, they made the NFC Championship game in 2015. That was the closest they came. Yeah. Ken Wisenhunt was the coach in 2008. I think the answer is Rupp, but I, I'm, a, I, I'm a big Brady fan. I hope this doesn't go like the Joe Montana way or didn't even Troy Aitman go somewhere else or Emmett or, I mean, some of these Cowboys. Emmett Smith played for the Cardinals for a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I think hey, that's right. It has John, to be Rupp. I mean, he's just younger. He's got... If you haven't read the Rupp article, that John Smith, the, the Mike Smith article that John has, it's fascinating to me because, one, I'd forgotten this. Rupp is guilty of mechanical doping in two ways. One, the vapor flies... And two, I forgot that his house, I was always wondering about altitude. You hear about altitude so important. I'm like, Rupp doesn't go to altitude. I hadn't heard about this in years. I didn't know that his house was still sealed at 10,000 feet. So that's interesting. But I really Will all his kids grow up to be really good because they will basically have lived their whole lives at altitude? Yes, we need to talk about this. This was the most fascinating part of this article was Rupp's house is at 10,000 feet. John, did you grill him into depth? I completely had forgotten this or didn't know this. I mean, this was mentioned. This, you know, it's not a secret. This was already public knowledge. Back in the day when Alberto had all the what is it? Where does he hate gimmicks and gadgets? It was mentioned. There was maybe a room in a house where people didn't do it. One, he makes it sound like Gade, I, my take on the interview was Galen Rupp's greatest talent is being able to sit in his house sixteen hours a day. Was that just something said, or was that? Was that sort of lost in translation, John? Yeah, that's no, that's that's kind of lost in translation. I mean, that wasn't his biggest talent, but essentially the point was a lot of athletes have to make sacrifices to be great. And if you can view sitting in your house for 18 hours a day as not a sacrifice, but just that's part of your lifestyle, I guess it's everyone's lifestyle right now, but that's Galen's lifestyle before this. And he basically only goes outside to train. On purpose? He's trying to get extra hours in the house? or like I don't... John, most runners run a few errands, they go for a run, and then they're in the house the rest of the day. I mean, that's the thing, even with the social distancing. I work from home, I'm now in the suburbs, so it's changed a lot from the city. But, like, I pretty much, by and large, was social distancing, unless when I went out to eat. And or now I go walking, I just take distance between people. I go in, like, the grocery store, there's more distance, they put up some plexiglass. I mean, my life in a, in a smaller suburb is really not very different. Yeah, I mean, 16 hours sounds like a huge sacrifice for up, but if you go into your house at 6 p.m. and don't leave till 9 a.m. the next morning, that's 15 hours right there. But I, I just forgotten about that. I didn't realize that. I mean, wh- who, where do you get the resources? How many companies in the world know how to seal a house so that it's at 10,000 feet equivalent? So I, I don't know. It was just fascinating to me. I, I do think, honestly, I was thinking about it. I remember when I was training and they, they said they might outlaw altitude tents. I was like, that's bullshit. Now I can kind of see why they can contemplate it. It's just a lot of people don't have access to that. I guess a lot of people don't have access to living in altitude too. And then where do you draw the line? Could you get a, you know, Mike Smith, could he get a rich donor donate a $20 million Kobe Bryant type helicopter thing? And then, you know, he they could fly down to practice every day. You know, didn't Kobe used to take his helicopter to practice? Yeah. Bad analogy, Robert, bad analogy. Yeah. I don't really know why you needed to bring up Kobe, but yeah. But, 
I'm starting to thread on that as well. Do any other athletes, like who makes altitude houses? I've heard of altitude tents, maybe altitude rooms, but that's curious. Well, also, most athletes will go on altitude trips, right? The whole Bauman team just holds up in Park City for the whole summer. Flagstaff-based runners already live in Flagstaff. Like, Rupp is one of the guys who trains at sea level year-round, so if he wants that benefit of altitude, he has to get creative. I thought he went to altitude a few times a year. He used to. He used to. But I think now, once he started doing the marathon... Actually, I think before Chicago, he did go to Park City. He went to Utah, I think, for a training block there uh, before Chicago 2019. So, I don't know. Okay, I wanted to address this at the beginning, and you guys pushed me away for Corona, but I'm sort of curious. I just came back from New York City. I think some of the listeners would sort of like to know, like, what's life differently? Everyone should be taking this seriously, but I think sort of what's being done in different cities is differently. One, if you're in the suburbs in a house, it's very easy. But stuff I hadn't thought about. You're in the city, you, like you go in and out. I had a doorman at my building. What about other people in the elevator? How are people handling that? John, like, are you social distancing from your roommates? New York City, I mean, I whiff, whiff down there on the highways. It's sort of interesting. You know, they had uh, f- hashtags in the highway signs, flatten the curve. But the, the highway was like, I mean, usually you can take for sure over an hour and a half. This time of day, I got there in 45 minutes. But... Construction workers are still doing work on roads. Um, you know, restaurants are pretty much closed, but takeout, like Starbucks, you can take out certain places. The f- traffic cops are still directing traffic. New York, it wasn't as dead as I thought, because I've seen these pictures of cities like in Italy and in Spain, but everyone was, was seemed to be, you know, a lot of mask on and, and respecting the proper distance between everyone. So I, I don't know, like Robert. What is what are the rules in Baltimore? I mean, Connecticut and Massachusetts. I'm pretty sure are under the same re- restrictions. No restaurants are open. No bars. No gatherings over a certain amount. But what's it like in Baltimore? Restaurants, bars are closed. Gyms are closed. I think it's pretty much the same. I mean, the guidelines pretty much might be everywhere. Pretty much. I wonder if there's like out west if certain states are, are keeping some of those things open. Who knows? But, he, I mean, not congregating over 10 makes it hard to keep restaurants open. And then there's a lot of social pressure. I called my aunt in Fort Worth and my other aunt in Dallas and said, hey, they just shut the restaurants here. And I was like, well, they've done that a long time ago here. And she, I'm like, stuff's shut down in Fort Worth. And she works at the uh, Kimball Art Museum. And she's like, yeah, we're shut down. But the restaurants here, the mayor actually was going to keep going. Our rule is 125 people. They've told people to space out. And I guess the uproar was so much the next day, the mayor had to shut down the restaurants. So I think probably every major city in America is like that. But if, if not, it'd be interesting to hear and if what people are saying about it. John, are the restaurants shut down in Boston? Uh, we're at takeout only, but a lot of the restaurants, I, re- I went out when I, when I went for my run yesterday, a lot of the restaurants are just closed. The, the ones that are sort of sit-down places, which probably maybe have larger kitchens, they're just closed indefinitely, I think. Uh, the streets were definitely quieter running through Brookline yesterday. You know, noticeably quieter, less people parked on the side of the road. And then also, I mean, as a single man, how am I supposed to get a date? There's nothing to do. Like, dating is just dead for, you know, a few weeks, I think. What, what do you mean? There's a threat on Let's Run right now. Last night I quarantined and chilled. Have you taken advantage of... COVID-19. Some guys are saying it's helping the dating life because women have nothing to do. 
Except go out on dates. Maybe well, buy. I guess, but where are you going to, you're just going to say first date, you're going to have someone, I'm not in a relationship or anything. First date, you're just going to invite them over to your apartment. I mean, I feel like the hit rate on that's pretty low. It's because you have morals, John. It's, it's interesting, right? Well, some people would say don't, you know, don't get together with people not in your immediate family. I guess the official guidelines are no gatherings of more than 10, but you're going to proper social distancing with somebody you don't know. Somebody you don't know on a date, you're proper social distancing, you're just going to be talking to them from six feet away. But I feel like for single people, like John, you have roommates, right? So like there's at least people to talk about. You, You can go see your immediate family, that sort of thing. But people in cities who are single, it's probably hardest for them. So even there, I can see why, you know, meeting someone for a run with proper distancing might be a, a good thing, like just to sort of have a, some sort of social element, I guess, maybe virtual conferencing and that sort of stuff. But like, it can get lonely very quickly. Well, I'm, I'm reading the, the uh, social, the quarantine, I, I quarantined and chilled last night thread. And it's actually interesting. One poster is saying that their training is doing very well since COVID-19 came out. It's been mostly good for me, and I've enjoyed it because other than no longer training with a group anymore, so my workouts are likely not as intense, my training is going great Going great because I don't go out at night and I don't drink. I even eat healthier. It's given me an excuse to focus on running and go to bed earlier. So, John, instead of worrying about your social life, why don't you worry about your training? Um, I have been out there running. It's one of the things that helps keep me sane, but I was running before. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll be super fit when I get back. That's a great point, though, John, Robert. I got to check out this thread. People, you can learn to train. Training by yourself, that's how I got really good because I finally had to trust my body. Get rid of your watch for like two weeks even. Time or time stuff. Like you can go, let's go go solo time trial. Let's say you're doing 800s. Time them, but don't look at your watch till you're done. Try to finish the last one faster than the first one. That way you'll be listening to your body instead of forcing a time off a clock. But when you're with people, you can easily train too hard. Now you're out by yourself. Don't force a pace. Try to listen to your body when you're training. Wow, wow. COVID-19 could like revolutionize distance running. If, if people learn how to start listening to their bodies and sort of training off of effort and feel instead of the clock, we actually might get, they might actually learn how to train. All right, John, before we leave, it looks like you were into this thread that said, let's pretend the Olympics are postponed. The following athletes will benefit the most from it. I didn't really agree with most of the of the picks on there, but there was one person that stood out with for me. Is it the same as for you? The guy that stood out to me the most was David Rodisha. Correct. Bingo. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's admitted he wants to make a comeback for the Olympics. That's really the only thing. He's the already the greatest eight hundred runner of all time. It's the only thing that motivates him. But he said he's overweight. He's out of shape. He needs time to get back. And let's. Quite honestly, I'm not optimistic about his chances of getting back to top form by, you know, early August 2020 when he hasn't really done anything. He's 31 years old. Now, next year, he will be 32 years old, obviously. But I think giving him more time to come back and get back to his best, that can only help him. I would say the other guy in this similar situation, a reigning Olympic champion, is uh, Wade Van Niekirk. He's he, he did race a couple times, actually. South Africa appears to be one of the few countries that is allowing their athletes to race, because Casta Semenya was racing recently, too. Um, he's He might be one guy who would also benefit, but I think, yeah, Rudisha is the, the biggest one. So Rudisha benefits the most just because the Olympics are next year or something? He has another year to get ready, but he, then he's a year older. 
Yeah, but he he's not in shape. He needs time to lose weight and get back to racing shape. I think that, to me, is more valuable than the extra one year of age. Especially since he's already spent the last couple of years away from the sport anyway. So it's not like... I, I don't think he has two more years. It's not like he has all these years of racing on his legs. You guys are terrible human beings for talking about who benefits by not having an Olympics. We want the Olympics. We want the Olympics. All right, before we go, we teased it earlier. This is somewhat adult topic, but uh, I just caution advice if you're a child, probably kids shouldn't be listening to this. But it's the Let's Run.com multiples of six challenge. And John, we got we got people at home with their kids during the coronavirus, so we gotta give them time to leave. They can pause a podcast. Wait, what, why is it the Let's Run.com challenge? I've never even heard of this. Why am I being blamed for this scourge on society? Well, I learned about it from my friends in college who learned about it from the Let's Run message boards. And they were like, oh, yeah, this is a thing. It's well known. And apparently they learned about it from Let's Run. And because there's a running component to it, I think that could be. I don't know if it's the origin, but that's where I learned about it. Now, I first was aware of this thread yesterday and I started reading into it. And we were having a conference call and John said, I'll explain it to you. So I kind of think I know what it is. But you think this originated in Let's Run or just people in Let's Run do it? People, I mean, someone may have came up with the idea and then posted it to Let's Run, and Let's Run could have been the first place it was posted. I'm not certain about this, but it's possible. I'm normally not the one with a filter here. I just want to be on the record, though. I'm a father. I'm opposed to all talk of this, and I think it should be not allowed. Like the Chinese censors. Robert always the sensible voice of reason. Wow. Robert, he'll say irresponsible things about COVID-19, but... Not about the, what's it called, six twelve Multiples of six challenge. But Weldon, you want to hear about it, right? All right, yes, I want to hear. We can always edit it out if we have to, John. All right, well, it is a challenge. All right, you have four tasks that you must accomplish, and the tasks are as follows. Eating donuts, drinking beers, running miles, and the fourth task we'll just refer to as uh, oil change. Oh, God. So... Each of those tasks must complete be completed a certain number of times. One must be completed six times, one must be completed 12 times, one must be completed 18 times, and one must be completed 24 times, and all of them must be done within a 24-hour period. Now, it's, it's tough, it's demanding on the body, and there's generally accepted a, a rational way to proceed how you should allocate each task. Weldon, can you... Think about the best way to allocate your resources to complete this. Wait, this is what COVID-19 is bringing to America? <sighs> oh, my God. Oh, well, I guess people, if they're not driving after drinking the beers and they're buying a lot of donuts and beer, this might be good for the economy. And let's see here. Oil changes, donuts, miles, and beer. A man of my age, the oil change is going to be the minimum. I think that goes without saying. Uh move on from that is that universal or just i think it's pretty much universal 12 of those will be very difficult in 24 hours we'll just less said about it the better what are the other three beers donuts. drinking beers running miles and eating donuts Ooh, a guy who doesn't run 24 miles a week i mean back in the day you just knock out the 24 miles and start the challenge right after i don't think it. you do it all at once 24 is a lot to do that's almost a marathon i would divide it up you run you start your task early afternoon one day you run like 16 miles or 14 miles and then you come back the next morning you might be quite hungover but you get out the 
eight or ten miles you need to finish. Oh yeah, so you can start like I could start at like nine in the morning one day and finish at nine in the morning the next. Yeah. Yeah, so running's not that pr- problem. You just drink, you yeah, you finish your run, you're done by 11, you have like the remainder of daylight to drink 12 beers. That's... Oh, I think the easiest way is oil change, beers, donuts, miles. That's the easiest way for, for a fit person. That's generally accepted to be the method. I don't know if, I mean, if, I don't know if someone's actually completed it. I think they have, but... Wait, what order? What order? Six oil changes, 12 beers, 18 donuts, and 24 miles. I'm not doing the 24 miles in my fitness. No way. I'm doing 12. And then, You're going to drink 18 beers in 24 hours, Robert? It's not even one an I've, hour. I've, I've drunk beers with you before. You you get a little... Robert's like knocked out after two beers on the road. Two IPAs and he's done for the night. Oh, duels counts, right? <laughs> in your dreams. Well, I could drink one hour. Oh, 24 donuts? Oh, God. Can, can you drink some of these cheater beers? Oh, I, no, I think that, I mean, I know for a beer mile, it needs to be 5%. I feel like no, 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 people no, no. lose percent, lose respect for you if it's not a Bud Heavy or something. You know, it needs to be 5% minimum, I think. Like, Michelob Ultra is big in the running community. But they're not a sponsor of Let's Run, so don't go drink it, people. We need a, we need an official beer of Let's Run. Something like a, a, a microbrew that tastes good, that wants to really launch. It'd be the official beer of Let's Run.com and runners everywhere. That's your tagline. Let's hear it, people. Like, maybe like a session IPA. Or- okay. Let me interrupt here. Yes, we do need official beer. But if you're like a teenager or something and you don't drink, look, it's not that cool, people. Don't be abusing it. Be responsible. I remember when I'm, like, we started Let's Run and someone's like posted on the message board, like, what's it like to be old? And someone's like, dude, like, I wish I had kept this thread. I remember reading it and this person described it. I'm like, I bet that's exactly what it is. They're like, well, look, you don't want to drink a lot. You don't want to stay out late. You want to sleep. You just naturally want to do this. John, that happens like 35. So just be responsible, people. I don't want to drink 12 beers in a day anymore. I mean, I... My one life advice is just don't drink hard alcohol. Just don't do it. Don't do shots. That's how you die. Anyways, on the moral force of watchrun.com, people think I'm irresponsible. No, I predicted this all. COVID, beer drinking. I know. Yeah, I I wouldn't encourage anyone to do this task, but it, it's sort of it's interesting to you. It's an interesting thought experiment. Has anyone ever done it? If so, email me Robert at Let's Run or give me a call. I've heard of the hundred 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 challenge, which is fascinating as well. So we'll be covering the the multiples of six challenge, or we'll come up with a new multiple <laughs> of six not. challenge. That's going to be John. Can you write a preview of this? We'll have our contenders. Oh okay. We can't be too serious here with COVID-19. We, we need a deleted thread of the week. How about this one? I may carry a cane and use it to whack people who don't line up six feet behind me in the grocery store line. That's from Boulder Bro. I feel like that's an appropriate deleted thread of the week. I mean, hell, maybe that thread should have... Should have what, what's wrong with that thread? You could, could leave it up. Practice social distancing, people. Don't practice it. Live it. You got you to gotta compete with social distancing, right? We're not, it's not about practice. You gotta, you gotta live it. You gotta be ready to do it. Life's a game. Yeah, we're beyond practice. We didn't know what social distancing was two weeks ago, but now we all do, and you gotta live it. You gotta be ready. It's game time, people. All right. Well, it was fun talking about running with you guys this week. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to. Well, we plan on making this a regular thing throughout this whole situation, however long it lasts. So, hopefully, you guys enjoyed listening to us uh, ramble on, and we'll be back next week. Thank you.